On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we're going to be chatting about the best community in Canada. McLean's Magazine has come out with its list. And what is at the top of the list? Burlington. Huh. We talk with Mayor Marianne Mead Ward about her city's good fortune and whether she deserves a, ra- a raise for this one. Uh, also, what are what is the responsibility for parents when kids do something horrible? Shooting in Canada. The two guys who just committed suicide, the two shooters up in northern Canada. There are some, including one of the victim's sisters, who is suggesting that maybe some responsibility for this falls onto the parents. Is there responsibility on the parents? And then we'll talk about the story that always is out there, that always is to be discussed, that never gets a resolution. Is professional wrestling really a sport? All of that coming up. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Tuesday evening, this National Left-Handers Day. If you're a left-hander, hey, happy National Left-Handers Day. I don't know how you're celebrating, but I did notice this, and I think there may be something to this. Did you know that both both the Boston Strangler and Jack the Ripper were apparently left-handed? You know what this means, right? I mean, clearly this means all left-handers are psychopathic maniacs, I think. Now, it's a small sample size, I grant you. And I mean, Paul McCartney and Jimi Hendrix are both left-handers, so maybe that offsets it. Babe Ruth was a left-hander. Oprah is a left-hander. Jerry Seinfeld. So maybe it's not all left-handers are psychopathic maniacs, but something to think about. Does one plus one equal two? I don't know. But happy National Left-Handers Day to those of you who are not falling into that category. Uh, Scott Radley Show, thanks for being here today. We are back live, by the way. If you missed us last night and you said, hey, he's been off the air a lot. Well, yeah, I've been filling in in the daytimes for Scott Thompson and Bill Kelly, but we're back live now. And we got lots to get to today. We are going to be chatting off the top. A, a local community, I don't know if you heard this story, but a local community somewhere right around here was chosen by McLean's Magazine as the best community in all of Canada. The best place to live in all of Canada. The mayor of that place is going to be joining us in just a moment. I'll save the surprise. You'll find out when you hear him or her in a couple moments. Bottom of this hour, you know about those two guys that uh, went on the rampage in BC and were finally found and the autopsy has showed that they committed suicide. The killers that were running around in northern Ontario and northern Manitoba. Anyway... You probably heard the follow-up to this, and that is that the sister of one of the victims in a roundabout way said that the father of one of the killers was to blame in some sense. And I want to talk to you about this one. Is a parent to blame for the actions of their child? How much is a parent to blame for the actions of their child? It's a really interesting, really difficult question that has lots of consequences if we follow it through and if we say that there are connections, if there is responsibility. If you're a parent, how much blame do you bear for what your kids do? Lots more coming up as well. As always, the first segment of the Scott Radley Show is brought to you exclusively by fox40shop.com. For sport and for safety, it has to be fox40shop.com. Enter the promo code RADLEY at checkout. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. McLean's Magazine, a couple days ago, came out with its ranking of the best communities in Canada. They have a whole 
not really an algorithm, but they have a whole series of things they factor into this. And I guess a team of people crush, crunching the numbers to come out with what is the best community in this country? Well, there's some local content in the good part of it, near the top of it. Number three, not local, but Ottawa. Number three is Ottawa. Number two is Grimsby, just down the road. Number one, best community in Canada, according to McLean's magazine, Burlington. Top community in all of Canada to live, Burlington. Uh, It got its best feature, according to the magazine, its amenities. Second best feature, low crime. Third, culture. There you go. You factor all these in along with some other things and Burlington pops out as the best community in which to live. Now, the mayor of this utopia is Marianne Meadward, who I believe is right now wearing a sash that says Canada's greatest community. That's doing that as we speak and installing big flashing signs along the side of the highway saying the exact same thing, boasting of this achievement. Uh, in the meantime, while she constructs those new flashing signs, boasting of that, she joins us. Mayor, Mrs. Mayor, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Awesome to be here. Thanks, uh, Scott. And and the sash is still being uh, Oh, is it still being sewn? So okay. <laughs> but the t-shirt's coming, so I will be wearing that for a whole year. <laughs> um, as mayor of the city that's now the best community in Canada, surely you're able to go to council and demand a raise for this, for what you did. <laughs> well, uh, I guess our secret's out. You know what? We've, we've always been a, an outstanding community, and I guess the rest of Canada now knows. And we're also actually the number one city to raise in Canada to raise a family. And uh, we've, my family's been here 19 years. We're, so we're relative newcomers, as they say. Uh, and we came here for the amenities, for the culture, for the waterfront, for all the things that makes uh, Burlington spectacular. And, uh, you know, it's the people that did this. I can't take the credit. <laughs> but do you, that said, and it's fun and it's, you know, it's not exactly scientific. It's, an, it's a subjective poll and that's all good. But I mean, mm-hmm. do you put stock in this kind of thing? Well, I think you have to look at what they've what they've ranked. I, I do think there's some real value, and it starts a conversation with the community about what's important. So we're going to be having that conversation uh, for a whole year. What what do you think is what you know makes Burlington great? But more importantly, uh, if you had to change anything, uh, what would you change? Let's make sure we continue to keep improving. We're not going to you know sit on our laurels and you know, just say we're the best and we can put our feet up now. I mean, we're a growing, changing community, as are all the communities around us. And, uh, you know, we want to stay number one in our own hearts, uh, regardless of what McLean's or, or someone else says. Well, and because you're right in one sense, and that is if you're number one this year and suddenly you're number seven next year, as much as you're getting mm-hmm. all the plot, as people turn around next year and go, you know, what did you screw up? So, yeah. so you, you got to stay, you got to stay there now, but does it matter though? Because again, it's lovely to hear it. I'm sure that people in Burlington are now bragging to all their friends that look, you know, oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's great. I mean, that's fantastic. It's a great ego stroke. Who wouldn't want that to, to be able to yeah. say, but what can you do with this as a city? What well, can you do with this? Well, like I said, we're going to we're going to talk to our community about it for for the next year. We I just met with my staff this morning to talk about, okay, what what do we what do we do? What do we learn from this? How do we leverage this? Uh, we're also leveraging it for economic development. It's a great story to tell when we're trying to attract business to Burlington. So that's a that's a key part. But we want to really uh, have a conversation with the community around what what did put us in the top, but what you know, if you change the weighting a little bit, we drop. And so they, you know, McLean's has a great feature where you can say, well, what, a, you know, if, if affordable housing is my, my top uh, concern, 
Burlington drops way down the list, as do most communities in the GTA. Um, so, so people have the option of saying what's important to them and then reweighting the rankings. And I think we have to pay attention to, uh, to not only where we're doing well, but where we're not, and put our shoulder to the wheel to address some of those issues. So, um, so we've got, you know, great bones, as they say. We've got a lot to work with. And, uh, you know, being a lakefront community with the escarpment, with half of our landmass being rural, agricultural, farming, uh, parks, conservation areas, great amenities and culture. We have two of the uh, largest uh, festivals in the country right here in our waterfront. So Rib Fest, which is coming up, and Sound of Music, four days of free music. So, so these are all ingredients that um, that make us a spectacular city to live in and to raise a family. I've got three kids that are, you know, 18 and uh, 20 now, and it has been a great place to raise a family. Uh, but we're not going to just sit around and, you know, and and uh, wear the sash and the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned economic development, and I think it was a year yeah. or two ago, and I, I, I refresh my memory, you may not even remember this, but I think it was Money Sense magazine that did something similar. Yes, And Burlington did. came in at second or third or something, which was, again, which was terrific. But do you know, was that ever used in either economic development or marketing or advertising or anything? Can you Can you use these to advertise your community? Well, it certainly became a talking point uh, from uh, the mayor at that time and from ECDEV. And the the challenge, as you mentioned earlier, is when the weightings or the rankings or the algorithm, as you mentioned earlier, changes. And so last year we dropped to 33 uh, on the ranking. Yep. And so now we're back to number one. And uh, The person responsible was promptly fired, right? <laughs> well, you're looking at a new mayor here, right? Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I can't claim the credit for that. Uh, You know, I've been in this community for 19 years, and we've all been working hard to make it the best community, and it's great to be recognized. But yeah, we'll certainly, I mean, it's certainly something to talk about. Does it actually translate into more tourism? I think people will say, hey, what's, you know, what's going on there? Like Burlington, really? I never, maybe there's people across the country who've never heard of it. Um, I did have people say, um, you know, now that I've discovered you, I want to move there. So that'll so work. Is, that'll um, work. Yeah. Let me take a very there quick is, break. There's definitely some benefits. Let me take a very quick break. I hope you can hold on a second. I'd love to come back yeah, and talk sure. a few more minutes with this. Uh, Mayor Marianne Mead Ward. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are chatting with Mayor Marianne Mead Ward of Burlington, whose city was just declared by McLean's Magazine to be the best community in all of Canada. I can only imagine what this will do to housing prices when this gets out. Everyone's house is now worth an extra hundred thousand dollars immediately. That which I, you know, I suppose if you own a house, that's a good thing. Like put that on your on your on your sign, everybody on your for sale sign. Um, what do you do? What do you think though? Leaving aside maybe some of the categories that they used in McLean's, what, what do you think are the indicators of a good community? Well, you know, someone asked me what my favorite part of Burlington is, whether a park or a restaurant or an amenity, and I said it, it's actually the people. Uh, the people of this community make it what it, what is so great. And, 
you know, when we first moved here uh, 19 years ago, our neighbors um, came by with banana bread. <laughs> it was <laughs> awesome. It was really good, too. Uh, but we, you know, very quickly got to know everybody on our street, uh, started a mom's, uh, a, we called it Moms in the Hood, <laughs> a group of moms that would get together and drink wine and bounce babies when we were all in baby uh, baby diaper days. And it was a great outlet. And I never had anything like that. Uh, when we live, you know, I lived in Toronto for 10 years. Um, it, it's just a different, you know, there's lots of things great about Toronto, but it didn't have that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed about the ranking is how many small communities, like small, 10,000, 20,000, 40,000, uh, made it into the top, uh, you know, the top 10 and certainly the top 50. Like there were so many. And, and McLean's did a whole article on um, what they called the the supercharged small town, and um, I think that for me was the most interesting um, piece to come out of the whole the whole study was that people still yearn for that small town feel, which is really about connectedness. It's about community. It's about getting to know people. Like you can have all the all the other amenities and assets, but if you feel disconnected from the people that live on your street, it's you know, that's not a great lifestyle. It's not a great way to live. And and weirdly, so that would be almost the hardest thing to gauge for something like this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't know how you measure, you know, community connectedness or, you know, sense of, um, you know, I, I know my neighbor, I know my dry mm-hmm. cleaner, you know, I, I mean, I, I tell this story a lot, but this is just another day in Burlington where I uh, was walking my dog and went to pick up some dry cleaning, didn't realize exactly how much was there. And my dry cleaner jumped in her van and drove me home with my dry cleaning. Like that That's Burlington. <laughs> that's just, you know, Thursday in Burlington. And, you know, that kind of um, personal connection with the people you do business with. I know everybody on my street. We have street parties. You know, the city actually as a whole has... Um, uh, love my hood neighborhood matching fund where we fund street parties. I mean that that sense of connectedness, especially in our increasingly digital world, is so critically important. And uh, and that's what we have to protect as we continue to grow because we're not a wee little city anymore. We're we're almost two hundred thousand people. And you got the the check marks that you got, the high scores you got, amenities as I mentioned before, low crime, yep. culture, yep. Uh, sixth overall for place for new Canadians, first for, as you mentioned for families, which uh, that would be yep. a good one. Uh, 21st in weather, which I found a little bit odd since Hamilton was 66th. You, apparently you have vastly yeah. different weather, weather than we have here we in have Hamilton. Uh, it just changes. As soon as you hit the skyway, it, it suddenly becomes like Arizona over there. Um, the only one, and I don't know if you want to, the only one that was not in the top 10, 15, 20 was healthcare, which you were at number 55, which again, I found a little strange, but... Uh, Very strange. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of that? That one's really strange because we... In, in Burlington, have uh, obviously Joe Brandt Hospital uh, has just been redeveloped and expanded. Uh, excellent cancer uh, care, excellent uh, emergency. I mean, it's a general hospital, so you know I haven't had a chance to dig um, really deeply into that particular one in terms of well, you know, what's the criteria for good healthcare versus not good healthcare? Is it number of doctors per resident? We we're, we do very well on that as well. Um, and again, a lot of our people that work in the healthcare system in Burlington live in Burlington. 
and and so they're they're connected to the community in many ways. Uh, we got to go. Unfortunately, uh, Hamilton came in at number twenty four. Have you been on the phone to Mayor Fred Eisenberger, rattling his chains a little so bit? That you... Yeah, no. not yet. <laughs> Next time I see him, I'll say he owes me a beer because I'm, I'm the mayor of the best uh, city in the country. <laughs> uh, Marianne Meadward, appreciate the time. Congratulations. That's good news for you guys. Thanks for doing this today. Yeah, thanks for your interest. Uh, by the way, for those who are interested, Burlington number one of places around here. Burlington number one, Grimsby two, Oakville four. This is McLean's Magazine's rankings. You can go on and see all the criteria and how they did this. Uh, other places nearby, Brant was number seven. A lot of Ontario in this, by the way, and this is across Canada. Niagara-on-the-Lake, 8. What else we got around here? Haldeman County was 13. Uh, Toronto was 19. Lincoln, 21. And Hamilton comes in at number 24. Norfolk County, 27, on and on and on. So, uh, I mean, at least there's 270, I think, were in this. So, I mean, 24, that's, yeah, 200. Oh, no more, way more than that. Pardon me. Three, 415. So 24, we can live with 24 in Hamilton, right? But number one for Burlington. So if you live in Burlington, as I say, and you're planning to sell your home, I think it's at least 100, 150,000 extra. Put that on your sign immediately. Just like that. We'll take a break. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Confusing story that has come out in the last couple of days. And it's, and it's an extension of this story about Schmigelski and what happened up north and in BC, the killings of the folks and the giant manhunt. And then the two guys, the two alleged, still alleged, I guess, alleged killers who found that they'd committed suicide in the woods, all that kind of stuff. You know the story by now. You've been following this story. Well, you would have thought that it would have come to an end, I guess, to some degree when they were dead and we're probably not going to get much more detail about why things happened. But now the father of one of the killers, Briar Schmigelski's father, Alan, was asked to go on 60 Minutes down in Australia because don't forget one of the victims, both two of the victims were from Australia. And the sister of one of the victims. Her name is Kennedy Deese. Her sister was China Deese, who was one of the ones who was killed. So Alan Schmigelski goes on 60 Minutes and he talks about how he, in addition to the victims, he is grieving. He's lost a son. Not the way you would hope, certainly, but he has lost a son like the people who were killed. Insensitive? I don't know if it's insensitive. I, I, I think he is grieving that he lost a son. Nonetheless, the sister of this victim brought up a really interesting point, a really interesting topic, certainly an interesting talking point. And I want to hear from you on this one. Here's what she had to say about his comments on 60 Minutes. Here's a quote from her. Your sorrow is for yourself. You can't relate to us as we had no doings in the cause of your pain. When you've played a part in the cause of our pain, of our pain, to the murderers and their family, the appropriate action when mistakes are made is taking responsibility. In other words, you can't understand what we're going through, even though you've also lost a son, because we did nothing wrong, but you did do something wrong. You have to take responsibility because she says you've played a part in the cause of our pain. So my question is this, 
do the parents of people, of kids, of young adults, of whoever, do parents bear responsibility for the actions of their adult children, their children, period, who commit horrendous acts? Should we be putting some of the blame onto the parents of those people? Should we be pointing to their upbringing and saying, you know what, if you'd done a better job, this would never have happened. You were a lousy father. You were a lousy mother. Had you brought this kid up properly, these no normal kid, and I'm this is what some people would say, no normal kid is going to go and shoot a bunch of people. No normal kid is going to carry a gun into a school and start doing a, a, a mass shooting. There's got to be a reason, and probably at least part of it has to do with the parents. Should we be pointing the finger of blame to some degree at the parents of young people, kids, adults who do horrendous criminal acts? Or is this sister totally out of line in her grief? And granted, I understand she's grieving and I think everyone else would too. But even so, is she totally out of line by pointing the finger of blame at a parent? Should she had simply said, look, it's not the same. You're grieving, we're grieving, but don't try and compare it. It's not the same. 905-645-3221. Star 9900. Should we be blaming, to some degree, parents whose kids do horrendous things? Karen is first up today. Karen, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thank you. What do you think about this? Well, it's an interesting concept because I I totally agree with the victim's family, what happened. But on the other side of things, I think it depends on how the parents brought up their, their children. So is there a possibility that you could be a fantastic parent and your kid picks up a gun and goes into a school and shoots a bunch of people? Absolutely. I mean, they just, they just lose it. They're just off on some sort of thing. But I mean, I do agree that there are parents that um, kind of rein their kids in and treat them the right from wrong. But then there are kids that just go and do their own thing. So how do you deal with a situation like that? See, I look, I'm, I, can understand and I can agree to some degree with this if you are a parent who sexually abused or physically abused your kids and did something that you know caused them oh, damage yeah. caused them clearly caused them damage if your behavior as a parent caused your kids damage and they lash out absolutely I think we can point the finger of blame at those parents agree absolutely but if it's a child who was raised normally then what do you do Exactly. Like you can't control what a child does when they're not in your care. What about, and this gets way more complicated because we have way more cases of this in our society. What about parents who have split up and there's now no father figure in the family because the father is not as involved for whatever reason. Can you blame the father if the kid has no father figure and does something? I think that's a cop out. On which side? I I think there's a lot of women out there who have custody of their kids who do a really good job at parenting. And just because the father figure is not in the picture should not make a, mad, make a difference at all. So that would be... It's a- about upbringing. It's about the right from wrong and how, you know, the, I mean, I have three kids and it's like, you know what, this is the curfew. This is when you need to be home. And my kids always used to say, well, so-and-so gets to stay out until all hours of the night. And I said, yeah, well, that so-and-so doesn't live here. Like, these are the, these are the rules and this, these are the rules you have to live by. Like, I want to know where you are. 
Karen, I appreciate your call. Thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Can you see the side of this argument that would say, you know what, the parent in some way is responsible for the actions of the kids? And in this case, not kids, I mean young adults, 18, 19 years old, still young. Can you say, I can see where the parents should be held responsible to some degree? Not necessarily legally. I don't think the law is going to step in and say that somehow dad is responsible. But socially, emotionally, psychologically, can we point to them and say, you are partially at fault? You're listening to The Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are talking about the case in northern BC, the manhunt that ended the other day. And now the sister of one of the victims has pointed a finger to some degree at one of the parents of one of the killers. Your sorrow, she says, is for yourself. This is of the father of Schmigelski. Your sorrow is for yourself. You can't relate to us as we had no doings in the cause of your pain when you've played a part in the cause of our pain. To the murderers and their family, the appropriate action when mistakes are made is taking responsibility. What responsibility, what role, what blame should we be putting, if any, or if all, on the parents of people who do bad things? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. What blame falls or should fall on parents? Mike joins me now. Mike, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about this? I'm a retired police officer, and I can tell you one thing that I learned was the vast majority of criminal criminals that we dealt with were products of their environment. Um, even if you watch or look at any of the um, situations that have happened over time with the results of um, mass shootings and things like that, if you look into the background of people, a lot has to do with their upbringing. And every time something like that happens, I always say, look into the background of the individual. They're not... are not normal people. There is some kind of dysfunctionality there. And dysfunctionality, Mike, though, in your opinion, to the point where we should point a finger of blame to some degree at the parent, or just that the kid was so screwed up that the parent didn't know what to do, or what do we do with that? You know what, you know, the parents do have some kind of accountability, but by the same token, you can't really, I don't know if I would jump totally on them, but I mean, they they still play a huge part in in the child's upbringing, just like the lady had mentioned before. If you raise your children properly, and if you, if you, I've always said to my friends, they were always concerned about how their children were going were gonna to grow up. And I always said, you know what, if you treat your children with respect and you teach them right from wrong, they will grow up to be good kids. Mike, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much for calling in. Alrighty, bye-bye. Let me go to Amy. Amy, how are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. What do you think on this one? Is there blame for the parents in cases like this? I think she might be thinking of the fact that uh, Schmigelty's father bought him a gun, and they're wondering if that gun was involved in the shooting. That is, so the story that we've heard, and Amy, you're exactly right that he did buy him a gun. The story we've heard is that he bought him a pellet gun uh, that wouldn't kill people. But nonetheless, uh, there are people who are saying, look, if you're buying your kids guns of any kind, why would you expect them not to play or use guns? So let's take it to the next step. Would that be enough? to make you say that there is some blame for the parent, or do you still say he's an adult child now, he has to know better, it's not dad's fault? I think in other Australian gun laws are much stricter, and she might be thinking, as an Australian, that that was an unusual thing to do for a kid. Amy, I greatly appreciate your call. Thanks so much. 
The sister of one of the victims of these killers in northern BC says, reading her quote, to some degree, the parents are responsible. To some degree, there is some level of responsibility there. What do you think? Should parents be responsible when that guy drove the car up Young Street in Toronto and ran those people over a year, year and a half ago? Are his parents in some way responsible for him, for his actions? Parkland school shooting, Sandy Hook school shooting, Columbine school shooting. Should these parents be held in some way responsible for the behavior of their children? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Frank is up next. Frank, how are you tonight? I'm quite well, uh, Scott. This is a tough one. It really is. It's a a horribly tough one. You're right. It really is. Now, now, I guess everybody's incensed the way the father came over. Let's leave that alone for a moment. But if you go into the... How old were they with with, with these two guys? 18 and 19. So they're adults. Young adults, but adults. Okay. I'm glad you said young adults, and more so adults. I can't say... We all got to put ourselves in in those shoes. You can do only what you can with your kids to teach them what is right and what's wrong. Um, it's like the bird leaves the nest, uh, Scott. Once they find a place to go and they get hooked on that, I mean, you can't be parents standing beside them all the time. You hope, most of it is hope, that you've brought your child up with the morals, with the decency of, uh, of maintaining, uh, being a law-abiding citizen. What goes through their heads? You know, I hate to say this, Scott, but what comes to mind when we were talking about this is Paul Bernardo. Yep. Oh, if we go back to that terrible, terrible... Are his, parents, are his parents responsible? Well, no. And they're probably, you know, as just as... They're, they're, they're suffering more than he is if they're still around. But, it, but you know, no, it, it, if you, let's just go to the next step to the courts. This would be a hard one to prove, though, Scott, don't you think? We'll leave it, it would, Frank, I appreciate the call. Thank you. i got to get to another Thank call. You. Absolutely. It, look, no court is going to put a parent in jail, I don't think for the behavior of their kids, unless there's something so egregious that it goes beyond anything we've expected before. Uh, Dana joins me now. Dana, how are you? Good, how are you doing, I'm good. Where do you stand on this? Well, you know what? I was watching a show one night, and uh, there was a woman, and her son had shown many signs of being um, psychopathic, and she never, like, took it to the next step, never found him help, never got him any you know, psychological help. And I think those kind of parents that turn a blind eye when they clearly see that there is something wrong, I think, you know, I know you can't legally hold them accountable, but, you know. That's an interesting one, though, for sure. That's an interesting one. Willful blindness. They do. And even in today's society, I think a lot of parents, like when the teachers call or a parent calls like that their kid did something, their first inkling is like, oh, my son wouldn't do that. My daughter wouldn't do Great that. Great point. Well, you know what? They probably would under certain circumstances. So you have to, you know, kind of keep an open mind. Dana, that's and a that's a great point. i got to run because we're out of time, but that's a fantastic point. Thank you for calling. About parents welcome. who always will defend their kid, never listen to a teacher or an authority figure, and never correct. Does that make them responsible if the kid does something horrendous like this? We've got more calls coming in. We're out of time. We may pick this one up tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. We may pick this one up because there's a lot of people still calling on this one. Love to hear from you. Got to take a break right now, though. Back after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
Uh, I want to bring in Lorraine. Now, Lorraine, this is her first time because Lorraine is brand new. She is now in for Will, who was in for Donna, who was in for Ben, who was, we were pretty much running through everybody here. Uh, we've worn them all out. Lorraine is the latest victim on the other side of the glass who's keeping us on the air. Lorraine, uh, thanks for like not quitting yet. It's been two days and you're still with us. That's a good sign. Yeah, it's uh, been a good two days. <laughs> Almost. We're only halfway through the second one, so hold your fire. Uh, how are you as far as your level of digital device addiction? Um, moderate. Moderate? Like you can live without your phone? No. <laughs> so you're So you're addicted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like I can go a couple hours or something. A couple hours. All right. And if you, and beyond that, you start to get the shakes, get the cold sweats, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, no, I'm asking because there is a, an internet provider, satelliteinternet.com. I've never heard of them. They're in the States, but nonetheless, they are offering somebody, anybody, a thousand dollars if they will go to Joshua Tree National Park in California and spend two days without their devices, that they are bribing someone Now, first of all, I don't understand why the internet company wants you not to use their product. I'm confused about their thought behind this, but nonetheless, they are going to do the digital detox challenge. They're going to give a thousand bucks to someone willing to spend a weekend at Joshua Tree National Park without any tech for two full, long, arduous, horrible days. Could you, like, how do we have to offer people money now to go to a beautiful place and not look at their phone? Yeah, that seems a little ridiculous because I would definitely do that. I don't know. It's not like you're sitting at home bored on your couch. You're out doing something and yet they're, I guess they've got applications. Oh, and you're going to be staying in a retro Airbnb with air conditioning, a hot tub, a pool and running water. So it's not like you've got nothing else to do and they're going to pay you a thousand bucks and they still feel like they have to bribe you. I, it makes me weep in a kind of way for the people who could still look at this and say, I I don't know if I could do that. How could you, this seems the the easiest thing in the world to me. No, I agree. Are you going to apply? I really should. Uh, The, uh, the selected person will be chosen August 26th from applications on their firm's website. See, I don't think that they would choose me because I am probably not in the age group that they figure is going to be sweating and having heart palpitations when they can't check their device every 12 seconds. I think they feel like I could probably get by. Yeah, you probably wouldn't get picked, but August 26th is my birthday. So Is it really? Yeah, if I included that in my application, maybe they would pick me. You know what? During the break, before we go to the news, we're going to fill out an application for you. We'll we'll set you up with this thing and see if you can get it. Now, I don't know if that would mean you'd lose your job here if you took off like two weeks into your new gig. But you know what they would do? Here's how you could really make it impossible for the person to succeed at this, though, to get their thousand bucks. Is as so for the first day, I bet you there are people, millennials, Gen Z, whoever, who have never, ever, ever been away from their phone since they were five years old. So the first day, though, I think with the pool and the hot tub and the Joshua tree and the trees and the park and U2's album covers and everything else and the album cover from the Eagles Hotel California that was taken there, um, I think you could probably get by. But in day two, just keep playing that ding noise from the text message that would come on your phone and there would be people who would lose their mind if they couldn't check their phone. It's like Pavlovian. You would have young people, old people too. I, I, I'm not going to, I have my moments. If I'm in the car, I love that new system that the iPhones have that turn off when you're in your car because if that ding goes off, you have to check your text message. I, I mean, are you, does that work for you too? It, 
It does work for me. So you're a potential distracted driver then, eh? Because now that I have that system on my phone that shuts it off, I'm good. That's good. But oh, before then, when that ding would go, you start to go, I got to check. I, gotta, I have to check. I have to know who texted me. It could be really important. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, you, to be honest. The, the turn off your phone thing? It's on the later internet or the later, later uh, Apple operating system, iOS, whatever you call it, oh, things yeah. where it, it, like it turns off your phone automatically, which is very good because I don't know about, as I say, I don't know about you, but that, that ding is the most troubling sound if you cannot address it. Yeah. Well, I'm an Android gal, but all, the, the ding, the ding for me, it's a hit or a miss because sometimes it just, I just really want to ignore it. Honestly. You're, you know, well, see, uh, that's, that's, so you'd be fine. We got to put your name. We're going to do it right now. We're going to enter your name. Will's in there with you right now. Will's going to help you get set up. We're going to put you in and we are going to get you to win this contest. I'm so excited. And then if you can, I was going to say, we'll have you on the air to talk about it, but you can't because you won't be allowed to use your device. Oh yeah. That's a good point. That'll be truck. That'll yeah. be tricky. But anyway, a thousand bucks. All you have to do is go to satelliteinternet.com and sign up for the Digital Detox Challenge. I'm guessing that many people listening would say, that's the easiest thousand bucks I will ever, ever make in my life. Sign up. Let's see what happens. If you win, when you're done, call me and let me know. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're going to be counting down. There, there was an internet poll done. We're going to be counting this down. The most interesting jobs in the world. What would be the most interesting job? If you had a choice of any job you could be, what would be your choice for the most interesting job in the world? We'll be counting those down at the bottom of the hour. And in just a moment, our buddy Bubba will be joining us, Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. First, however, let me give you your quiz question. We're getting back into the, into the role of quiz questions here now that we're back on the air at this normal time. Quiz question this evening is going to test you if you know your literature. If you paid any attention in high school probably some other things, but see how you do here. In Nathaniel Hawthorne's historical fiction novel, The Scarlet Letter, what letter are they talking about? What was the letter? In the the book, The Scarlet Letter, what letter are we talking about? Was Nathaniel Hawthorne talking about? 905-645-3221, star 9900. If you've seen this reenacted in TV or in a movie, you know. If you've read the book, you know. As I say, if you paid attention in high school and they taught this, you should know. All we need to know is one letter of the alphabet. In Nathaniel Hawthorne's historical fiction novel, The Scarlet Letter, what was the letter? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Lorraine is in today. Give Lorraine a call. She's new on the phone. So say hi to Lorraine. Give her your name. Give her your guess. If the lines are ringing, by the way, she'll get to you as fast as she possibly can. Hang in there. Don't bail on us. If they are busy, call right back. We'll get to that answer. We'll give it to you again. If you missed the question, I'll give it to you again in a bit, and we'll get to the answer at the end of the show. As I say, if the lines are ringing, Lorraine is working her way through them as fast as she can, so hang in there. In the meantime, let me bring in our good friend Bubba O'Neill from CHCH, who, by the way, did the closing ceremonies of the Canadian Little League Championship announcing this week was fantastic at doing it. You should do way more PA stuff, my friend. I, I thought it was just, I was just admiring these kids, um, these Little League kids in this situation that 
hey, you know, how many of these players will play professionally? You Zero, know, the, probably, the, yeah, probably. The, the percentage is extremely low. So what I what, what my belief is is that in terms of professional, well, not professionally, but amateur sports, they have even at you know the tender age of eleven and twelve years old, they've reached the pinnacle. And for that Quitlam team that are going to represent this country at the Little League World Champion uh, World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Like, I can't imagine what a high they must be in. In fact, you know what? Maybe they don't even realize how amazing. I can tell you they don't, and I can tell you why. My son played in the Canadian tournament in 2010, and it's now that they realize what a big deal it was. They were all back there. He and his teammates were back there to watch a bit of it last week. And it was when they're back there now as adults, as 21-year-olds, they go, man, I wish I could get back on the field and play, because that's really cool. You didn't realize it back then. I'll say this, though, about this tournament, then we're going to carry on. What I love about this tournament is that there are very few true national championships in kids' sports. I mean, the Quebec Pee Wee Hockey Tournament is fantastic. Teams come from all over the world, but it's not really a national championship. And you can have karate events or tennis or whatever, but you don't have kids necessarily from around the country. This one, you had kids from BC all the way to Cape Breton, and they were all flown in, and it's a real national championship. And beyond going pro, the vast majority of the kids who were there will never play in another national, a true national championship. This was the biggest they'll ever have. It's just amazing. Like, can you imagine, again, like those kids from Coquitlam who've, who've flown to Ancaster, you know, from BC, you know, clear across the country. And once they won, they're not going back home. Then they're going to Pennsylvania. Like what a, what a road trip that they're on. And you want to know what else you can imagine? Their parents had to take a week off, week and a half off to come to (laughs) Ancaster and pay for a hotel. And now they've got to go down to Williamsport where the hotels are not cheap on World Series week or weeks. Uh, mom and dad better be willing to sell a major organ into the black market <laughs> to pay for all this, because this is not going to be a cheap summer, but good for them nonetheless. Uh, Speaking, quite, a, quite an amazing thing to, uh, to see those kids. It, it, it really is. I hope it's back here again soon, although I think it may be many, many, many years before it's back. Hope not. Uh, Speaking of baseball, I want to bring this up with you. I hope a lot of people saw this last night, because this was one of the most, I think, most ridiculous things. Everybody around here probably, if you think back for a moment, remembers the name Rujned Odor, he was the guy who plays for the Texas Rangers who slugged Jose Bautista in the face a few years ago after the bat flip thing and led to the big fight and all the rest. Anyway, Texas is playing Toronto yesterday. They, are, they lost, what was it, 19-2 or 19-3 was the 19, final? 19-4. Okay, 19-4. But at the point in the game that Rujnet Odor comes into the story, Texas is trailing 17-2. 17-2. This game is a wipeout. Rujnet Odor hits a home run. And I, I think the only proper term for what he did was to pimp his home run trot. This thing was slow. He was blowing bubbles. He was making faces at the Jays to taunt them. He was blowing kisses into the sky. He was swagging off the field after he hit the home run. And I don't think he was doing it to be funny. I think he was still, he's still salty at the Blue Jays all these years later. And he thought, here's my chance to show them. Because I just made it 17-3. to <laughs> you know, you're right. There's nothing like partying like it's 1999 when it's 17-3 uh, <laughs> to and doing your home run trot. I mean, <laughs> it, it was kind of funny. Now, I will say this. Um, perhaps the reason why he was, you know, acting so cocky was, as he hasn't forgotten the incident with uh, 
Jose Batista, which I believe that was in Texas at the time when they, yep. when they when he punched him in the chops. Is one of the better free flowing right hands I've ever seen delivered in sports. Um, the fans were given have been giving it to him the whole time, um, whether he made a play defensively or and every time he stepped up to the plate. So perhaps the Blue Jay fans kind of opened up a wound again. Uh, and I'm not saying they had it coming to them because the Blue Jays won big, but I think the whole his actions might have been incited by the fans. And I again, get you. We, we, we see on television, so but I, I, I'm going to be honest. We don't hear everything that's being yelled at the man. Um, I get it, but if you're down 17 to two and yeah. the fans are giving it to you, in my mind, you have to do something next day <laughs> when the game is closer and then give it to the fans. It, uh, to me, this is the very definition of an athlete not getting it. It really is. It really is. It reminds me, Bubba, there was, a, there was a game, and I can't remember if it was CFL, NFL. I honestly can't remember. I think it was an NFL game. And it was years ago, and I believe the New York Giants were involved, although, again, I could be wrong. And a guy scores a touchdown when the team is down by, like, nine t- t- touchdowns. It was just a complete blowout. The guy gets a touchdown and does the worm across the back of the end zone. <laughs> and even his own teammates are looking at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. Pick your spots. You know, I, I, and you're right, but sometimes emotions get hot. I remember there was a time back in my, you know, my days when I used to go to Buffalo and watch the Bills all the time during their glory years. And, of course, you know, the, the Dolphins and the Bills rivalry was unbelievable at the time, the whole squish the fish thing when it was really at its peak. And the Dolphins had a middle linebacker by the name of Brian Cox. Yes. And there was a time where the Bills were just manhandling the Dolphins on this day. But this guy would not stop talking to the fans, and the fans would not stop talking to him. And even in the midst of this blowout, as he approached the sidelines, and I believe he sacked Jim Kelly, kind of a similar situation, probably late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, games way out of hand. Kelly probably shouldn't even have been playing at this time. And he walked back, and he's giving it to the fans, and he popped a finger at yeah, the Yeah, going down the tunnel, I remember <laughs> this. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, and people are going crazy. But it's like, dude... Why? You know, so there, This, this to me is, as I say, is an athlete who doesn't get it. I am. I. I'll be the first one. I had no issue when Bautista flipped the bat because it was a moment. It was. It was one of those things that you put yourself in his situation and you say with the emotion and with the moment that was at hand and what it meant and everything else. Any person who had natural human feelings would probably do something similar. So I got no problem with that. And I have no problem with guys celebrating at big moments, even if it's a big celebration. I'm all for it, but this is just stupid. R- remind me, no. now, Odor, I, Odor, I, I, was he upset over the pimping of the home run from the year before, or did, but, um, refresh me here, or did Batista make a real bad, questionable slide at him at second base? So that, what happened? Yes. Yeah, so what happened was all the Texas Rangers were mad at Batista for that th- flipping of the bat. The next year, the last game, Batista's last at bat against the Rangers. They wait till the last at bat, and right. David Bush, who had been a Blue Jay farmhand, spent time in prison. Then came out, and he throws a hundred and one mile an hour fastball into Batista's ribs. And when Batista then is on base, he slides into second and has a bad slide after Odor, which is why Odor popped up and, and slugged him. So it all it was it was all connected. Mm-hmm. But it's how many years like neither Texas nor Toronto 
is anywhere close to relevant as a baseball story at this point. They both stink. They're both <laughs> bad teams. If you're still clinging to that four years later or three years later, whatever it is, and in the circumstances with the score of the game, man, you are something is not clicking. Well, I think, as you said, Texas are—I I, believe—they're a 500 club, so they don't have a lot going for them. They're nowhere in the playoff discussion, and uh, maybe these little fights that go on, these little battles that come up from team to team, maybe that's what—that maybe that's what inspires a man like uh, Rugen Ordor. <laughs> but it was funny, though. I have to admit, as much as I, I disapproved. I, well, I it was funny because it was so ludicrous. I, yes, that's exactly. I didn't laugh because of what he was doing to Blue Jay fans, or you know, I don't think he meant. I really don't think he meant it at the Blue Jays itself as a team. Um, and maybe there were a Blue Jay or two that yapped off. From well, there's the, nobody from the left second. except for Justin Smoke. He's the last guy. What's the point? <laughs> but I believe that uh, it had to have been all of the fans. So there was clearly something going on with the fans and 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 him. Okay, so speaking of athletes and punches or whatever else. I, I, I've been waiting to ask you this for a while, and we have time today, and, and I just I have to because there was a big WWF, WWE, I guess it is now, WWE event on the weekend. SummerSlam was on. And I probably last watched WWE wrestling in about 1988 when Big Boss Man was fighting Kamala the Ugandan giant, yes. I think. Kamala. Yes, who now has no legs and lives in an outskirt of Detroit. True story. He has diabetes and lost both his legs. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. There's lots of stories in wrestling. My, my question is this. In the last probably three or four years, Sports Illustrated, Sportsnet, TSN, ESPN, all of the major sports network websites have all started covering wrestling the same way almost that they would cover the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, whatever else. I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on that we're now treating this, which is athletic but not sports, like sports. I, I would say that these guys are, they are... They're athletes. They are athletes. I believe they're athletes slash performers. That's the way I would... Yes. You know, that's the way I look at yes. it. But they are athletes because to do what they do in the ring, many of them, and, and definitely some are definitely much more athletic than others... Um, but some of the feats and flips and jumps and ability to take a punch and that kind of stuff is definitely, I mean, you, you just can't be a stiff and yes. that kind of stuff. Now, uh, I, I'm telling you, Scott, uh, I'm rudely surprised every once in a while as you are. But then every once in a while, not every once in a while, I am also uh, reminded there are people at this station at CHCH that watch wrestling on a daily basis. Uh, or whenever there's cards. And there's more of these people than you think, or, or at least that you and I think. Um, I think we've long said this, that this sport, because it has gone on for 50, 60, I mean, you could name, you know, big wrestlers from, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, Gorilla Monsoon, Nick Bockwinkle. Billy Red Lions. Billy Red Lions. Yep. Of course, you know, Superfly Snooka getting, you know, closer to the 80s, you know, with the Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and all these play, these, these guys. This sport will never die. But it's and not a sport. a crowd. Well, that's the, see, I, I, I'm with you that lots of people watch it. I have no yeah. issue with the fact that lots of people watch it. I understand that. But that we have now 
quote, quote, sports journalists who are covering this as if it was the same as baseball or tennis or something where else. else would you, where else would it be, though? Their own website? I mean, why if... Uh, okay, so using your definition, which I don't think is a wrong definition, that these are athletes who are also performers. And I think that's a very fair definition as you describe them. Why is ESPN and Sports Illustrated then not covering the Bolshoi Ballet? Because... Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> they're flipping around. They're athletes. They're performers. I, I I think when you're looking at these companies, these big companies like ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet, first of all, when it comes to their webpage and, it, and their multi-platform channels, you're looking for content. And if this borders on what we would say is sort of a half a sport, if it's popular, they want an action. Why years ago no one wanted a part of the X Games. Now everyone wants a piece of this, these X Games. But an X, but the X Games is a legitimate competition. You may not understand all Scott, of it. There was a time, Scott, where people didn't think it was legitimate. Well, it's all, no, it's always been a legitimate competition. The know. question was, like, is this a, is this something that is mainstream? But you're right. Then all of a sudden, you need any kind of content to fill, and along comes the X Games, and you go, "Wow!" But no one has ever, I don't think, argued that Sean White or someone wasn't competing. But it, but it, it, it's snow. It's snow. Snowmobile jumping a real sport. Well, if you're if it's a competition, and the winner is the guy who jumps the furthest, or goes down the hill the fastest, or jumps the most, whatever, <laughs> then sure. You know, it brings me back. You know what we really need to bring back as a real sport is the old wide world of sports barrel jumping. The guys in the little tiny helmet and the overalls skating around in Quebec, jumping the wine barrels and crashing all the time. That would be great. But at least that's a a sport. It probably was a demonstration sport in the Olympics at some point. Probably was. (laughs) It probably was. Uh, But but you could never, no one is ever going to say, well, professional wrestling should be in the Olympics. I, don't, I hope, I hope, I hope no one's ever going to say that no, because they, it's they, not they were, really. They've already gone too far with some. Well, of course they have. I mean, I mean, I mean, as much as I, I, hey, I could sit down on a, on a weekend and watch multiple hours of golf. But again, I, I mean, I'm going to debate that. Why is this? Why is golf in the Olympics? I love tennis. Why is tennis in the Olympics? So, so I would argue, and you can take issue with this or not. I would argue that I would believe there should be more of a place on ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet, Sports Illustrated's webpage covering sports. There is more In reason Nathaniel to be covering Hawthorne's the amazing historical race and survivor than there novel, is to be the Scarlet Letter, wrestler, professional wrestling. What? Because is at the least those are real competitions that what is feature the something sort of athletic. Scarlet Letter. Well, One letter of the alphabet is what we are looking for. That, that is your answer ESPN today. ESPN eight, I believe it's what the Ocho. Yeah, the Ocho, right? I mean, they showed from right here in Hamilton at Mohawk College the International World Dodgeball Championship, which was held right here in Hamilton at Mohawk College. They covered that and broadcast, and they rebroadcast it just last week on on ESPN Eight. Is dodgeball a sport? Uh yeah. Why not? Why not? Is it is it a is it a competition? Was Globo Gym involved? By the way, um, was it? Is there a real competition where either side could win based on an established measure of of athleticism and of scoring? Right now, I mean, I don't think you've been in. They had they had head ping pong where you only can play hit the ball with your head, and it was a soccer ball. 
right now in front of me at the station, I have six different monitors with this six. You know, I, I have a baseball game on right now. I see Roger Federer. There's a bloopers of the month. Uh, there's a commercial on one. And on, on TSN 2, it's the Czech Republic versus France in, in? A, a log sawing contest. <laughs> okay. That's it's... happening right now. So why is that and not it, on the sports channel? It's a world championship, which appears to be from Liverpool. Like, it, like is is this a sport? Sure, it is. It's more of a sport than professional wrestling. Is it? Sure, it is because it's a real competition. The one thing about that event, and I've watched that event before on a late at night sometime when you can't sleep and it's on, my only question is, I have been around a campfire up at Tobermory with a guy who went to chop a log in half with an axe and cut his toe in half by accident. I'm always amazed there's never been anyone who's chopped their foot in half on one of those things. But anyway. Good point. Um, and then once that happens... Oh man, then all of a sudden you're going to have all the networks want to do it because it'll suddenly be like the UFC. We got blood, bring it on. But no, I'm, I'm, uh, that is more of a sport to me than wrestling. I, I don't. Come on, Scott, come on. Sure it is. There's nothing real about wrestling except for the athleticism. The athlete, I, I grant you that these are great guys who do amazing gymnastics maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. But the outcome is pre-decided. It's a dance. And if we're going to then suddenly have... Ex- um, ex- exhibition dancing, then again, we should have the Bolshoi Ballet and the New York Kennedy Center as being covered as well. <laughs> we got to know about Andrei Slavonov, who is the great star of the Bolshoi. All I what size I- codpiece is he wearing today? I think it's wide open, Scott. I mean, The codpiece or defi- the story? It's a definition to whoever likes the particular event. Because I'm telling you right now, as I now look at Poland versus Italy in the log sawing, like, I mean, there was a time where chopping wood was only for real life purposes. Lumberjacks and Monty Python skits. (laughs) I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. Sing along if you wish. Look, again, I would just, I would love to believe that these sports networks aren't so desperate for content, although I think they are, that they would not jump on board and try and make wrestling seem like it's a legitimate sporting activity. Okay, it's it's a fun, thing, Scott, Scott, it's a it's fun really, diversion. I, but here's a serious thing on this. Shoot. What, what sport, if you, if, again, if we're going to debate if it's a sport or not, I mean, that could go on and on. But you think of wrestling and the loyal fan base that it has, that alone makes it important for you to cover because you know that, like a soap opera, like the Y&R, people are watching this for years. It's exactly what it is, and you're bang on, and it is very watchable. I'm not going to dispute that, but you're right. It's a soap opera, and I don't see Y&R being covered on ESPN.com. <laughs> I don't know if Victor Newman has ever appeared. Victor Newman has never appeared on ESPN.com. I don't think... Everyone can do a good Victor Newman impression. I, told you I can't believe him. he's still around, by the way. I saw him on TV the other day. That what guy has not changed. I don't know. He's not changed. I believe he's now an animatronic. Disney fixed him, put a battery in his back. He's been dead for 27 years since the Titanic movie when he sunk. And he is now, Victor Newman is now just a made-up creature. Anyway, there you go. I, I'm, I, my big vote is get wrestling off because you lose credibility when you're covering it like a real sport. But each to their own. 
each to their own. If you want to have a fun game and you are a child of the 80s or 90s and you're sitting in a car one time, we did this one time, went on forever, you have 30 seconds going back and forth to name a professional wrestler. Just keep going back and forth. You can only name them once. See how long you can go naming professional wrestlers. I'm terrified and humiliated to tell you that the time I did this, we probably went on for 30 minutes. We were pulling guys out, leaping Lanny Poffo and all this. It was, we were, we were going deep into the annals of 1980s Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan wrestling era stuff. Oh, but that's a, that's a beautiful thing. That, that's actually, that's a fun thing to do. Like, the Rougeau like, brothers. The Rougeau brothers. The Rougeau wow. brothers. Who was the guy, as we go, who was the guy who was the world's strong, uh, 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 Patera, Ken Patera. Ken Patera. Ken Patera. Old, who was a real Olympic wrestler in he his was. time. He was. Right? He won he a was. medal, I believe, in the Olympics, in, in one of the Olympics. Yep, best hair. What about Hamilton's greatest athlete? Canada's greatest athlete? I was wearing that T-shirt yesterday, Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, yes. I have the T-shirt, Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp. What was in that strap, that, that thing around his, like, what was it? It was a foreign object. It was, uh, he was a little... <laughs> it was a foreign object is all we know. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe one of these days we'll play that game on the air. We'll see how loyal the audience is when we spend 30 minutes simply going back and forth, <laughs> randomly naming professional wrestlers from the 80s. On a day when maybe someday there's going to be a thing where they say, you know what, bonus points for the lowest ratings on a radio station, and we'll do that. <laughs> we will systematically, one by one, drive the listeners away at record speed by just naming wrestlers. Uh, in the meantime, Bob O'Neill, you can catch him tonight at 11 o'clock doing the sports, doing the weather. Always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Great discussion, Scott. Thank you. We will take a break. Back after this in the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. In Nathaniel Hawthorne's historical fiction novel, The Scarlet Letter, what is the letter being talked about? What is the letter in The Scarlet Letter? One letter of the alphabet is what we are looking for. That is your answer today. So even if you don't know, you got a 1 in 26 chance. Give us a shot. 905-645-3221. Star... 9900 if you're on your cell phone. In the Scarlet Letter, what is the letter? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I'm going to bring in Lorraine for a second here because there was a, an online poll that was done asking people to vote on what they found were the most interesting jobs in the world. What was the most interesting job that you could possibly have if you had your choice of anything? Didn't matter what your education was, didn't matter what your background was. If you could vote on it, what would be the most interesting job to have in the world? Before we get to the list, what would be your vote, Lorraine? What would be the most interesting thing you could possibly do? Um, I wish I had more time to think about I know, this, I'm catching you cold. But maybe... Maybe something to do with um, dolphins. Dolphins, okay, dolphin like trainer, seals. marine biologist, yeah. like George Costanza in yeah, that episode yeah, of but Seinfeld. Like moral, like I don't like animal. Uh, okay, so moral animal, thing. marine biologist person. Yes, person. Okay, <laughs> just to make it a little longer. Yeah. Okay. A little per- more generic. You know. Okay, moral animal marine biologist person is what we've got for the official job title. We'll see if that's on here. Mm. And I'm not doing all of them. Let me. By the way, let me go down a little further. Uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to it because I don't know if it's in our top 25. We're going to blow through the top 25 most interesting jobs. And this is by people voting on this. Uh, just give a yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down to whether this is an interesting job. Okay. Travel tour guide. 
Yes. So not travel agent, like going, you're somewhere and you're leading people around through a museum or through ruins or whatever else. That sounds very interesting. Depending on where the place is, I would say yes. Mm, depending on where the place is, potentially more interesting. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. if it's like, oh, okay. if it's downtown Baghdad during a shelling, yeah. probably not all that interesting, more terrifying. Okay. Right. But if it's through caves or through wherever, yes, that could be very, very interesting. Skydiving instructor. Mm, interesting, but not my, not my bag. Not your thing? No. I've never, have you ever skydived? No. Skydove? No. Is it skydived or skydove? Honestly, I don't really know. I'm not sure. Skydive? Skydive sounds better, but skydove would be proper grammar. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never leapt from a plane. Let's put it that way that we don't have to worry about the grammar. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I would think, you know what, to be an instructor though, because if you're a skydiving instructor, just to, let's put a fine point on it here. Most dives that people do, most jumps, don't they have to strap themselves to the person? So you've got a person attached to you in front of you. So anything that they expel is going to fly into your face. There's got to be sick, spit, Whatever, like you, you interesting, seats. interesting may not be the word that I would choose for, yeah. for that. And okay. Uh, number 23, definitely not my area. Robotics engineer. No, that sounds boring. Kind of does to me too. Although thank goodness we have them. Uh, airline pilot, 22. Mm, Landing yeah. and taking off maybe, but yeah. the rest of the time you're just sitting there just cruising saying Roger Roger that's what's your vector yeah. Victor that does sound pretty cool I did watch airplane recently the movie kind of so if you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the cockpit with you it could be a really interesting job yeah exactly interesting or an inflatable co-pilot yeah <laughs> uh bounty hunter mm, bounty hunter I'm just thinking dog the bounty that's hunter. whose picture comes with yes, this yes dog yes. the bounty hunter whose Rest wife just died yep, sadly that, yes yep. uh bounty hunter uh, could be interesting could also lead to you being killed but Okay, that makes it probably interesting. Yeah, not if you're a dog. He's he's well, respected. He's on TV too. No yeah. one's gonna kill him on TV. That's evidence. Number uh-huh. twenty, firefighter. Yeah, actually, I was just saying. I think it'd be really cool to be a firefighter. I think. How could it not be interesting to be a firefighter? Right. I know. Uh, to my brother-in-law Ben. There you go. You're on the list. Ben, respect. Uh, number nineteen, investigative journalist. Yeah, that'd be neat. I would say yeah. That uh, someday I hope to do that. Yeah. Uh, number eighteen, park <laughs> ranger. Park Ranger, yes, just because I think it would be cool to strut around and just... With uh, that hat on, with the Yogi Bear hat. Yeah, yeah. I can't... uh, See, I'm thinking Park Ranger in 2019 is likely just screaming at people to pick up their cigarette butt or not to smoke or to pick up the (laughs) thing they drop. Like, I, I can't imagine that you are walking around armed. Now, we were in Africa last year, and when you go, we were in Queen Elizabeth Park in Uganda, like a true nature reserve and the park rangers there are carrying AK-47s just in case you get attacked by something. That would be a cool park ranger. Yeah. But the guys here who look like a human yogi bear, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, they're taking it pretty easy. A theme park owner. Um, no. mm -mm. Except that you get to ride like the, at at Wonderland. What's the new ride? The, um. Oh gosh, I don't know. The thing, but you get to. No, but you get to ride it. Often, I guess, and first. Maybe. As long as you like rides. As long as you like rides. And you're, again, you're not sitting in the seat behind someone who doesn't like rides, much like the skydiver instructor. Yeah. Number 16, surgeon. No. Mm-mm. Not a, not a blood I'm, and guts kind of person? I'm not good with blood, no. I've actually, I've done um, some first aid training, and 
three times in my life and I've thrown a pasta like last time I did it I just left the room because now I know what I'm capable of a few weeks ago we watched the episode of the office where they have to learn CPR again with Michael Scott yes. and they say yes you gotta remember what you have to do CPR to is staying mm-hmm. alive and so oh, he starts okay. at first I was afraid I was yeah. petrified no 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 staying alive no. <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, number 15 oh you know, this is a good one computer hacker yeah, that, that would, would be, be interesting really cool. until mm-hmm. they burst through your door with machine guns pointed yeah. at your head. Well, and then you, just, you, they, you hope that they're going to hire you. And then you get hired by the, of. yeah, by the companies yeah. that need you to protect against it. <laughs> Here, I could do this one. I don't know if this is the most interesting job, but certainly on my list, chocolatier. Chocolate, what is that? Like making chocolate. Oh, yeah. It sounds a little Because you know what comes with making mundane. chocolate? Eating it? Eating chocolate, it? yes, yeah. which goes with number 13. This would be my number one, ice cream taster. Mm, Number one on the list. doesn't matter what else you've got on there. Ice cream taster. My first job ever was at Baskin Robbins. Nice. And every time the store was empty, Scott Radley had a spoon in his hand and was diving into the ice cream. I ate more chocolate mousse royale that summer than any human being has ever eaten in history, I'm pretty sure. Had the summer gone on for another week or two, I'm sure I would have been fired because I'm pretty sure my boss had caught on to what was going on, but she just was being kind to me to not put it on my resume that I'd been fired from my first job. Yeah. Uh, number 12, stunt person. Yeah. Well, I really like uh, the movie Hot Rod. I don't know if you've seen that, but... With uh, Andy Samberg? Yeah. That kind of stunt man would be my jam for sure. Really uh, bad one. When we were in California in May, we were walking around a bunch of different ridiculous sites in California, and we went to the site of the Bat Cave, where the Batmobile came racing out at the start of the 1960s Batman series, and they were filming a movie there that day, and guess who was being filmed that day right there? Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg, right on. Yeah, couldn't wait around to meet him because we had to go, but he was right there. Oh, yeah, he's Uh, hilarious. We are counting down, by the way, the most interesting jobs as voted on by an online poll. Number 11, musician. I guess this one depends on what kind of musician. Yeah, like a classical guitarist. If you're, if you are like Jimi Hendrix, although he's dead, but you get my, my drift. Or if you are playing in some cool band, yeah, this would be really interesting. If you were the third oboe in the Grimsby Philharmonic Orchestra, less so. Okay, you might be directly calling somebody out right now. So. If, you, if you're if you listening and you are the third oboist in the Grimsby Philharmonic, please, you're welcome you to come on the show and give us an oboe solo at any time you would like. We will clear the board for you mm-hmm. to give us an oboe solo. <laughs> I don't know if such a thing exists. Or bassoon, if you're the third bassoon. Number 10, video game tester. Yeah, I'm not a big video game person, so I wouldn't be the best person for that. Okay. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, you know, any sports game I'm, I'd am i love to do, as soon as you start getting into the science fiction stuff, not so much. But anyway, and, and I've tried playing Fortnite, and my experience with Fortnite was simply running around a lot, trying to find something to do <laughs> that I could never find anything. I'm just running through fields saying, I don't really understand why this game is so much fun, but I guess once you find something, the excitement level picks up. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Storm Chaser. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think around here a little boring, but... In Oklahoma? South, yeah, that would be awesome. Number eight, Actor. Yeah, potentially. That would be that most interesting. Yeah, you could have... That, I think that would be an interesting job. Yeah. Seven, Zookeeper. Mm. I don't know why that would be higher than Actor. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Number six, fighter pilot. 
Yeah, I would say that'd be interesting. That'd be cool. A little risky. Uh, very risky. I'm pretty cautious, so. Uh, I would definitely have to spend a little more time than we have to come up with my cool fighter pilot name because, like, Goose is already gone and Maverick is already gone. Yeah. Pro- probably go with, like, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. i got to come up with something really good. Will would be just, like, Willy. Willie? Willie. Yeah, yeah, he'd be he'd just be Willie. He'd which, be uh, Willin and Dylan. Willin and Dylan. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five, private detective. Mm, no, uh, I think seems like it would be more interesting than you would. Than more interesting would or less interesting? Like sitting oh, in a car yeah, watching yeah, sorry, someone. It would be less interesting yeah, than Yeah, staking you would out think. a place. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, number four, travel writer. Mm. Done it. I've done it. It is very romantic the concept of it Mm. and it can because you're traveling around the world and you're going to all these cool places and it can be but there's an awful lot of people doing that now too you got to be really good at it or else you're going to get swept on swept away very quickly uh top three fbi agent Ooh, fbi agent I, i guess that's pretty interesting I feel like that's just like a classic top of the three, top three list thing. Yeah. And especially since number two is CIA agent. They oh, could have combined wow. those two. How about just secret agent? Yeah. I don't like that. That, that, that seems like a list. double cop out here. Uh, number one, what do you think number one would be? And I'll give you a hint. It is not marine, a moral animal, marine biologist person. Right on. You wrote that down? I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. What do you think would be the thing that most people would say would be the most interesting job out there? Hmm. Maybe, I don't know, like maybe just like a regular (laughs) police officer. (laughs) I'm sure that'll be on the list. Number one, astronaut. Astronaut. All right. That would be interesting. It'd be sickening because I'd be be air sick and flight motion sickness immediately, but I can understand that. Uh, Also on the list, didn't make the top 25, F1 racer, winemaker, model. I don't think model to me would be the least... Exciting, the F- least interesting. Yeah, F1 racer should be. Model, you are standing there as a human mannequin. That's not interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, event planner, nurse, lawyer, school teacher, professional gambler, um, translator. Translator, How? what could possibly be interested about being interesting about being a translator? Uh, I don't really know, honestly. That one seems pretty uh, too. Ski patrol, air traffic controller, that would just be high stress. Um Fact checker, boring. Football coach, epidemiologist. Oh, here's one. Uh, Number 52 on the list, second last, cheesemonger. And last on the list, Sherpa. Sherpa, okay. Why not be a Sherpa? I don't know. Climb Mount Everest, the person who climbs Mount Everest with the climbers to lead them up to the top and then... True. They got a good set of lungs. They got a good set of lungs. This is true. Anyway, if you have another job that should be on the list, let me know. Radley at 900CHML.com. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML. In Nathaniel Hawthorne's historical fiction novel, The Scarlet Letter, what was the letter? The letter, the scarlet letter was A, which stood for adultery. Lorraine, who knew this one tonight? So we got Walter, Eileen, Angelo, Sheila, Melissa, Lynn, Annabelle, Karen, Hugh, Ron Roscoe, Tony, Jean, Christina, Andy, Robin, and Frank G. Excellent job. Some new names in there. Excellent. Love having new people calling in with the answers. Uh, Folks, thanks for listening today. Thanks for being here. We will be back, as I said, 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Hope you will be as well. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.
The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.